At the time of recording, we are about to celebrate or start Memorial Day weekend. And I don't know, I mean, it's different than Veterans Day. Veterans Day, you wish a veteran, tell a veteran, thank you for the service, wish him a happy Veterans Day. But Memorial Day in the U.S., at least to me, is a time of reflection and that we should never forget the sacrifice uh, that uh, men and women have done for our country in times of conflict. So, um, So yeah, I know every year, and I haven't done this yet at the time of recording, but every year I watch at least the first two episodes of Band of Brothers. I just do it. I don't know if it's, I guess it's a tradition, but I try to watch Band of Brothers every year to not, for me, in my mind, not forget uh, the greatest generation and our defeat of the Axis powers in World War II. So yeah, I know there's a lot of baggages and stuff with that, but you know, it was it was a great enemy, right? And uh, the first two episodes in Band of Brothers talk about Kurahi and the, the training that the paratroopers underwent. And then uh, Day of Days, the second episode is on D-Day, uh, so which is one of the most important uh, days of the 20th century um, in my mind. So anyway, I just wanted to share those thoughts, uh, have a time of reflection on Memorial Day, uh, if you are so inclined. And I know I will. And I hope you enjoyed the show. So thank you for listening. You know, Carl, I'm listening to your latest episode, and I just finished the Star Wars recap. Sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun, which is really cool. And But, you know, if you're going to follow canon, then that rightfully elected imperial government for the galaxy is, you know, going to prevail over those rebels there on Alderaan, you know, once the Death Star is completed. So, all's well that ends well, right? Welcome to the Geomologist Presents. That was Jason Connerly at the top of the show. And I don't, I think he did that on purpose because he, being a Star Wars scholar, would not confuse Onderon with, which is Midrim, with Alderon, which is the, um, the, not birthplace, but the foster home of Princess Leia and the home of Bail Organa, etc. That was destroyed, spoiler, in Star Wars A New Hope. Onderon did see some, um, according to legends, and somewhat in Rebels and Clone Wars, did see action both during the Clone War, um, a Separatist versus the people on the world. This is where Saw Gera is from, uh, this is where his sister died in Clone Wars. Um, I believe there is some stuff in Rebels 2 where things took place, and in Bad Batch, which involves Saw Gera. Saw Gera, uh, is seen um, in Rogue One. He's sort of the uh, foster dad. A lot of fosters, a lot foster dad of the main character in there. Jin Erso, the daughter 
of the um, one of the designers on the Death Star who puts in the uh, well the the weak point, which I think is kind of cool. I enjoyed Rogue One a lot, by the way, and actually. I'm really leading this the story arc that we're doing in Star Wars. I'm leading towards something kind of cool and I'm involving the players, hopefully in something that happened that is more or less canon um, and was seen in some of the movies. So I think they're, they're really enjoying it I, for the most part. Some players really get into the, the cameos of kind of characters they've watched on the shows, which I think is cool. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing in Star Wars. And it is true. Uh, the Imperium was the elected government. Um, the Imperial governor was lawfully appointed to Onderon. It is moderately oppressive. I mean, they press ganged and forced labor on some of the local uh, villagers. That's what the uh, heroes found out, or the rebels found out. Uh, whether they're heroes or not is, uh, remains to be seen, right? Um, will they are rebels actually heroes according to some rebel groups for example the partisans are not heroes they're too brutal um, but uh, Sagara states the empire sees the rebels and the partisans as the same so what does it matter so um, anyway yeah I think it's been really fun running Star Wars I really I think my players really get into it and that's the main thing right so, um, so yeah, uh, this show, I don't know we're going to talk about a lot about sci-fi. People really like the sci-fi episode, which is cool. I have a couple calls from uh, the Twilight 2000 in response to Twilight 2000 and other and um, the sci-fi episodes. Uh, Jason calls. He calls a lot, which I love. And I have a new caller, I guess a person who's been listening for a while. And uh, it's a new caller, it's Sam, who you probably heard on Jason's uh, podcast, Jason Connolly's podcast, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And uh, he, um, he's called in, and we've discussed pretty cool, uh, coolly, I think. Um, it's one of the beauties of the Anchor verse. We've discussed you know, suppressive fire and other uh, tropes or rules associated with military. Um, Soldier of Fortune sci-fi games, so um, so it's been pretty neat. So uh, he's called in, and I'll respond to him. I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna talk about like some of the most recent fantasy games I've been playing. So um, mainly Pathfinder and D and D Five E that I've been able to get into, and maybe I will preview North Texas RPG Con for me. And what I'm going to do and what I'm excited about. Um, and then um, I got a special, special unboxing. So I let's get into it. The first one up is going to be Jason Connerly. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no Hey Carl, so your Traveler game sounds like a lot of fun. Really get glad you're finally getting to run that 
and your players are enjoying it, that's really awesome. I've been actually looking at Traveler, the older Traveler. I've got the 83 starter set and the 81 PDFs of the 81 uh, three books, but I know the 77 books are better for what I want because there's no setting in there. There's none of the third Imperium stuff. And like other things, for example, you, you know, I, and I know that's not really Traveler. It's just a, a clone of Traveler. But when we were having those issues, when we started up with that, um, damn, forgetting the name of the system now, but the system that was based on Cepheus that was kind of supposed to be Outland and the Expanse and Alien and all that stuff. Um, anyway, the where the session I, I couldn't make, that first session, the players were really bummed because they didn't have weapon skills. They had a really hard time. Well, my understanding is in the 77 version, the players are assumed to have the weapon skills automatically. You might have better weapon skills, but you're proficient in all the weapons. So you wouldn't have that minus five or that minus for whatever. So there, there are things in that original set that, that I think are kind of interesting. And of course, all that's been pushed by Chicago Wiz, who's going to be running Battlestar Galactic using original 77 rules. So, you know, the Travelers is interesting, without a doubt. And for me, it's more interesting without the, the built-in setting. But I know a lot of people love the setting, and it's great that it's there for you and your players that are enjoying that. Anyhow, this is getting long, so I'll let you go. And I will, as far as your shows... I, I don't think there's a need to break them up. If you have an hour-long show and you put an hour-long show out one day or you put two, you know, you put a half-hour show out one day and another half-hour show out the next day, I, I don't really see a big difference in that. So, honestly, I would just, I, I wouldn't try to go too much over an hour, but, I, I mean, like you say, it is what it is. Yeah, there are quite a few incarnations of Traveler, and I believe I have the, the 1977 version, which is kind of cool that it is sort of imperial agnostic. And there's a lot of neat adventures that came out uh, from that uh, era. A lot of the Keith Brothers stuff that is, that was kind of generic where you could put it, though I feel like they've, um, they've retconned where where it is located in the official traveler universe to like the extreme the extreme spin word so i think like the far frontiers and and sectors like that which is out of imperial space so if you don't like the imperium well there you go there's also i've been noticing too i mean although there is an official traveler universe i've noticed some products from mongoose traveler and even the original the first mongoose traveler core book uh, it doesn't have a lot on the Imperium. There's a whole book on the Third Imperium. And I guess they're trying to do like what Cepheus Deluxe did. I guess maybe there's a implicit technology in the setting, but it doesn't. there's not a lot on the universe, right? So and Cepheus Deluxe does that too. And then they add, uh, you know, Clement Sector and other things too. But I've, I've seen like some cool things that are extra Imperial that are still in the quote-unquote official travel universe that I've wanted to... To touch on, for example, you know the core expeditions that one um, political entity did, and then there's some things to spin word like political groups, you know, space political groups that are not imperial, and that's what why I think the Keith brothers stuff. So like 
action board and then the uh, uh sky raider stuff is 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 kind of cool and you can use it in anything because it's it is generic um in a way it's not necessarily imperial it's just space you know golden age space opera type stuff um so um it's enjoyable so yeah and the rules get very confusing like i have the traveler adventure and the rules traveler rules that come with it it's like a blue spine book and a red spine book and those it, those are different than the 77 uh, rules and then um mega traveler does something tries to go back to somewhat like the original traveler but then adds some adds a few cool things but then other things are complex and complicated and then um after that then they did there then there was um Traveler of the New Era, which was games, Game Designers Workshop's house system, sort of a D10, uh, look for a target number type of thing. And then after that, Mark Miller uh, did a Traveler 4, which kind of went back to the beginning of his uh, his M third Imperium. I don't even remember what the core rules, how that works, honestly. I don't know if he went back to 2D6 or it was like a dice pool, because Traveler 5 becomes like a D6... Uh, dice pool. Um, I don't remember if you need a four or a five or a four or a five and better to um, succeed. So uh, yeah, you, you roll a handful of dice in that one. And I, I kind of like what he did. It's very toolbox. No mention of the third Imperium really in the Traveler 5. Um, there was also GURPS as Traveler. And what they did is they uh, pushed the timeline to 1116, but no rebellion. Um, and then there, it was a, there's a traveler, a couple travel hero products. So you could do here, use hero system and make traveler stuff. Um, and what else is there? There's actually a traveler set in the mind jammer in a Sarah, uh, Sarah Newton's mind jammer universe, which if you know, Werner Vinge's work, fire upon the deep, a deep this in the sky. It's very, uh, similar to that where it's, you know, more not golden age sci-fi, um, but really, contemporary science fiction where a singularity has been reached or is close to being reached um so that was i think that was pretty interesting i think what other and then there's a mongoose traveler um mongoose traveler one made it sort of more a system reference document and open license and cepheus uh deluxe kind of jumped in on that um and now there's mongoose traveler two which i think is it's cleaned up a lot of rules i think and um made character creation more i don't know if it's it seems that the character creation is a little easier in mt2 um and space combat definitely seemed to be easier but uh, that, and that's the latest rule set the stuff that you can you can buy stuff for uh through from mongoose for mongoose traveler 2 and it's continuous development oh there was like a traveler 2d20 which i thought was really good and i played and ran and it was a very akin to star wars saga system um uh like a 3.5 chassis a type of engine and what i liked is that it took place um like it was set it was set not they didn't do spinward marches by default and they did like the opposite, the trailing regions of uh, the Imperium, um, which is a different place, right? So that's what I liked a lot. And there was all those challenge magazines that had both generic and uh, traveler 
adventures and rules for for both generic and third imperium type of stuff either in the golden age 1105 third imperium or the, the beginning of the rebellion mega traveler 1116 which is probably a spoiler for players but uh there you go i don't know if they'll we'll get there uh, we're still only about a third of the not even a third of the way about a fifth of the way in 11.05 it's only been like a couple months in campaign and they've had a lot of adventures so anyway that's a more long-winded response than i would have expected but thank you jason for the call and it's cool to hear that people are uh, using traveler and enjoying traveler and however they uh they conceive of it so all right our next caller is sam Hey, Carl, your uh, Twilight 2000 game sounds so damn cool. Um, I uh, I wondered, I had a question for you about about your uh, maps in Roll20. I wondered if you uh, get into the layers. Um, I found that really, uh, really useful um, when I was running Twilight 2000 um, a couple of years ago on Roll20. Um, with my maps, I'd set up a uh, hidden enemy, enemy out of line of sight um, on a separate layer. Um, so I could see, I could see the enemy um, markers, but the players couldn't until uh, until they had line of sight. So um, it's it's a bit tricky to get the hang of if you haven't used it before, and it was a bit fiddly, but um, <clears throat> really worthwhile um, learning it if you don't already use it. Um, it adds another layer to the combat. Yeah, we had this mad uh, firefight at, at an airfield in North Vietnam behind enemy lines. And uh, I had guys in tunnels. I had um, I had a whole tunnel complex that the players couldn't see, um, but I could. I had um, I had uh, guys like mortar teams um, set up out of line of sight. I had um, I had uh, armored vehicles coming down a road that um, you know eventually revealed themselves. And I could I could move everything in real time and um, or in in game time uh, without the players seeing. Hey, Carl, I think I got cut off, but I didn't have much else to say. I was just wondering um, yeah, if you use those layers in Roll20 on your maps. Thanks. Hey, Sam, I'm very excited that you called. I really loved the uh, discussion that we've been having on Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and hopefully um, we can engage here as well. And I'm the only reason the Twilight 2000 game is so is sounds so hella cool is because the players are hella good. <laughs> I really like them. I really like the tactical and strategic aspect. Um, I love the engagement. We have a Discord channel on the in the Geomologist lab, and, um, and they really um, have gone at it and are planning on what to do next. They know that they've kind of shaken a hornet's nest, and they want to, you know, get the, uh, get their own, their own, like, uh, I guess, uh, what would it be called? Pest control going before the Hornets um, act. So we'll see how that goes. And um, and I've really enjoyed it. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that they've done along the way. And what I like too is like some of the players will be like pl are planning, planning ahead, planning and, and anticipating. And I mean, I, I really don't feel they're, they're being meta. Um, I know they ask me a lot of questions and it's hard not to give things away. Um, especially since my wife is one of the players, I try to be coy about it. I hope I'm 
doing a good job of that. And I definitely thank you for that advice on using the Roll20 layers. I've used it somewhat, but definitely, uh, definitely not as extensively as you have. And you've given me some great <laughs> ideas uh, to use it to throw out the players. Uh, so thank you for that. That's really cool. And uh, so, so I guess you're, I really like that. I guess you're running a Vietnam era campaign. I actually at, at ChupacabraCon, I picked up, an out-of-print um, Savage Worlds Weird War of Vietnam book that they're, I know they're not going to reprint, or at least the, um, one of the insiders there said they're not going to really reprint this for Suede, the new Savage Worlds. So I'm excited to get that and read through it. I haven't really read through it yet, um, but it seems very exciting, and it'd be cool to see um, see if I can get like a, a Vietnam-era weird, weird wars thing to the table. And now I've got some ideas on, on how to use tunnels and big hills and that you've given me. So, um, so looking, well, I don't know. I don't know if you do a podcast or if you want to share, it'd be great to share more of your, uh, your, um, Vietnam campaign. It sounds very interesting and exciting. So, uh, thanks for the call. And I will pass on, uh, that you like hearing about our Twilight 2000 campaign to the rest of the players. Some of them listen here. Some of them don't. Um, so, um, so yeah, so thanks again. All right. So I guess we haven't, I've been playing some fantasy games. The focus has really been seemingly on Traveler and Twilight and, um, Star Wars, but we have been doing some fantasy games. Like I mentioned, um, the Reaver game, again, I'm not going to, give another recap. It's been really very fun game and run by Joe Salvador, the Raven God himself and Jason Connerly did a great recap in one of his most recent podcasts that I put the link in the last, my last podcast. Um, so go check that out. But uh, we've also been playing uh, mainly Kingmaker. We haven't gotten Abomination Vaults back to the table. That game seems cursed, uh, but Kingmaker, we have been able to have a few sessions and I know some, there's some players out there who probably played Kingmaker or playing Kingmaker with their, or some listeners that is. Um, so I'm not going to really dwell on it. Suffice it to say that uh, we've had two like little mini dungeon crawls in the last couple sessions that we've kind of finished each dungeon crawl in one session each, which is not bad. That's like a nice, you know, the little mini dungeons are like, you know, I guess uh, six to eight rooms and they're able to go through clear if they need to or interact as they need to. And there's been some cool interaction. And I was shocked, really, in the Kingmaker game um, that the players, some of the players have actually played the Kingmaker RP, uh, uh, computer game, but they didn't remember this little surprise, which I thought was good. And they said, oh, I didn't remember that, which it's nice. That means that, you know, even though they play the video game, they don't remember all the little clues and hooks or when they, they happen, they're like, um, they're surprised, which is nice. So they did find a little surprise. Um, it was a cool, uh, a cool set of fights, clearing the dungeon the first time and then gaining some allies and joining one faction and with, between you know, like a, there was like a civil war brewing with another group. And then they had a big fight against the, uh, the, one of the, I guess, uh, adversaries in this civil war of this little group. Um, and it was a pretty good fight involving 
uh, really looking and delving into how invisibility works in uh, Pathfinder 2, which was quite interesting and a little, um, some, uh, I don't know if it was, it didn't seem, it wasn't, in the end, it wasn't frustrating for the players because they ended up doing things to defeat the foe. Um, and, you know, a little bit of my bad tactics. And, you know, uh, even though the this bad guy had minions, they dealt with the minions very quickly and were able to surround him. And even though invisible, uh, they were able to go through the procedure to, uh, I guess, in a way, what it, the way it works, it works like it did in Pathfinder 1, is that they're under total concealment. So it's a 50% chance that you're going to miss if you attack the space that they're in. Uh, but the players did well enough and did some cool things like uh, even when the creature was visible and had magic mirrors around, were able to grab um, the magic and grab the right image in the magic mirror and kind of neutralized in a way the, how the magic mirror worked, at least in, in my judgment. Uh, sometimes you gotta, you still got to judge in these games. Uh, and then um, when he escaped, I rolled very lucky for him to escape. And the character was like, oh, they saw that and were... And then he, and then uh, this adversary cast invisibility, but then he was kind of surrounded by players. And before he could make his escape, um, they were they got enough hits in um, on an already damaged bad guy to uh, to fell him. And I guess it worked out too, because um, how it worked out in the rotation is that uh, the leader of this group that they were courting and helping to remove a bad seed was the one who felled. Uh, felled the bad seed and they thought that that was kind of cool and it worked with the story um, so that's kingmaker it's been proceeding um, they've definitely finished some quests so there's quest xp as well as xp for adversaries i feel like they're a third of the way no they're about halfway to the next level level three to four when they get to level four i think they're going to try to deal with like a big bad in the area so that's been my kingmaker uh, campaign and Abomination of Vaults, I hope we get back to and, and finish. And then, like, uh, last night, we'd kind of taken a break from Warhammer Fantasy as I uh, prep. I should be prepping, but, um, you know, I got other things going on for the Horned Rat. And um, we played, we went, jumped back to our Iron Kingdoms 5e game that we were doing online a couple of years ago. I feel like it's a couple of years ago. And I ran them through another adventure. They were fourth level, so I ran them through an adventure that was about... You know, geared toward that level, and it was the um, it's called an Echo in the Darkness. It's a free RPG day adventure. I think you can get it on the Privateer Press website, and it might even be like free for the PDF. Anyway, it's a pretty cool adventure. It's a it's I've I've read this trope or this adventure plot before. The characters uh, go to a small town for a dedication of some sort of artifact or or location, etc. So the players do that, and um, and then they interact with the town in the first part, and then the second part, uh, and I thought it, it went really well. The second part was like a running battle. Um, there was like three waves of adversaries that they had to deal with, but in each of the three different waves, they had two choices, two, two engagements were going on, and in, uh, in the first wave, they split. They split their forces to deal with them, which was good because there was like every there was like a timer. <clears throat> ICRPG, <laughs> which is funny. There was a timer. Like if they focus on one, then there's a timer. 
and if that timer goes to zero, then bad things happen to like the NPCs in the village. Um, so in the in the other two waves, I mean they were so they were anyway there were three waves, and the players were able to deal with all the waves with, uh, in t in a timely manner, a timely manner enough to distract the bad guys from hurting NPCs that are more or less defenseless compared to the foes. You know when you have you know, fourth level D and D characters fighting that are you know it's geared toward fighting them then you know the the zero level first level commoner is not going to do well against a fourth level or a group of of foes that are uh, geared towards a fourth level character in D and D and so that was pretty fun and then the the last part of this adventure was like a the big boss and the big boss arrived and had like a what I like about the Iron Kingdom's game is like they have like these steam jacks, war jacks, and one of the characters was able to was was controlling two war jacks. He had found like a a steam jack in the town, and and they said, yeah, yeah, you can. Well, when the when stuff started happening, he took over the jack. Uh, there was no one to tell him no. So he like these two jacks, but it was still like one of the jacks almost got destroyed. Um, but un, un, but fortunately, there one of the characters is like a mechanic, so he's able to kind of like quote unquote heal, repair. Uh, the jacks like during the combats and then after each wave um, there was this weird time dilation going on so they allowed for like a short rest so people could you know do us you know catch their breath uh, or do some repairs get a little bit of healing um, but then when they fit, uh, fought the big bad that was a pretty fun um, a fun encounter I thought where the one player was fighting over the artifact that that was part of the dedication against the big bad and was able to control it and uh, they defeated him with some good good tactics and some lucky rolls like one one player was rolling lights out like rolled like several several crits uh, during the combats which was very nice especially uh, when they got their backstab in haha <laughs> i was a rogue type so it was a really fun adventure i really like the iron kingdom diverse um not all the players are familiar with it so they're not as excited and um but it was really fun and you know i just kind of milestone them up uh, to fifth level so if we continue on um, there's other products I have for the Iron Kingdoms or I can look for or I can uh, kind of make up if we but we've kind of been doing like very episodic so there's no really like campaign idea to travel through the wilderness from point A to point B or anything like that that could you know be more of a random generation so these are like very episodic and um, there's adventures that are available that I can you know run and when we kind of do these quote-unquote, um, not really one-shots, but one-adventure types that are fillers or palate cleansers in between our main game. So, um, yeah, so it was a really fun fun game. I recommend it. I recommend uh, trying to track down an Echo in the Darkness uh, for third or fourth level characters. All right, so what is next? I think I'll talk a little bit about North Texas RPG Con um, here and um, my feelings about my preparation so far and what I'm going to be playing. So I'll be right back. So next week is, North, or actually later this week at the time of publishing, is North Texas RPG Con. I will be there from Thursday, June 1st until Sunday, June 4th. I am playing in three games, which I'm very excited about. I'm playing in a game Thursday early evening, 
and then Friday and Saturday morning. I'm also running two games Friday afternoon. I'm running a game and Saturday afternoon I'm running a game. So I'm pretty excited about it. I've kept my Fridays and Saturdays open. Um, sometimes there's pickup games. Also, I have friends and family in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so I might go meet up with them. There are a lot of places I like to go up to when I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, breweries that I don't get to go to on a regular basis, um, a couple eating establishments. Um, I'm a beer nerd, so I'm a big-time, long-time member of the Flying Saucer UFO Club, and there's a, uh, a couple... Flying Saucer locations up there in the Dallas, well, actually there's three, four in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. One's at the airport, so I wouldn't go to that one, but the three others are possibilities. And, uh, you know, I like to work on my UFO Club membership stuff. So also there is barbecue joints up there in Dallas that I have not tried, and I'm a big barbecue fan. So I like to leave my Friday and Saturday nights open for those possibilities. So the games I'm playing in, um, I'm ready for the games. That's a no-brainer, but I'm playing in some cool games, I feel. I'm playing in a Weird Frontiers game, The Sinister Secret of the Slugmen, run by Stefan Sarat. I was very excited to get into his game. It looks like there are a lot of players. So, um, yeah, I'm ex excited to get into his game. Um, it should be very fun. And he is. He, these are things that he's working on, possibly for his... I'm thinking for his next Kickstarter or a later project. Uh, Stefan Surratt has recently put out uh, the Elfland, a DCC project, project, and has put out some third-party Weird Frontier stuff. Um, good guy to hang out with. We've hung out there before when we were in Dallas, and I'm looking forward to playing in his games. On Friday morning, I was lucky enough to get into one of Jeff Tulanian's Hyperborea games, so I'm very excited about that one. Um, uh, it is, and the cool thing is it's called the Auroral Odyssey. So 15 AD, you are Germanic slaves en route to Rome, and you're intended for the gladiatorial pits and other indignities. Uh, but something happens. So um, so pretty cool. Um, and we're probably transported to Hyperborea, which would be kind of fun. Maybe it's a future project. project. Maybe it's just a convention game, which is interesting. So um, the third adventure is the Sword and Wizardry Adventure, and I've not, I, I don't think I've, I feel like I've played Sword and Wizardry, but maybe I haven't. But anyway, I've never played it at the con before. And it says, play test a new adventure from Silver Bullet. Escort the new inhabitants of the keep from Redstone. So it's run by uh, Jason Gardner. And it should be pretty fun to play in that game. So, um, and then the games, I'm running two games, like I said. And those games... I need to look them up. I'm on the tabletop RPG event events. The first game, it looks like, I think this is how they're running. I'm waiting for the thing to load from North Texas. So the first game is Saturday. Well, it's not the first game I'm running, but it is one of the games I'm running. This is the Saturday afternoon game. And I guess the first one I submitted, I guess that's how I, it happened here. But it is, um, oops, let me go to another site. Here we go. I'll go to this one instead. So it is called uh, Blue Candy Clouds. I'm running a Weird West adventure that uh, 
and here's the intro. The posse is chasing the notorious snake oil man von Lieberg into the Sangre the Cristo Mountains. What horrors await? Level two weird frontiers adventure. And I just got a I got a full house. So although so here's what I'm trying what I'm trying to do. I, I, I have four people sign up, but then you know I feel like there's always people um walking around and looking for a game. So I can field up to six people and I have six player character pregens ready, uh, second level Weird Frontiers characters. And um yeah, I'll see how you know people want to jump in. Um so uh so I do have a like a full table, quote unquote full table at four, but uh let's see how that works. Now the other game I'm running is on Friday afternoon, and that one is uh, the Curse of Caledon, which is part of the Reaver Quick Start Adventure uh, playtest. And that one was very exciting too. Same thing. Got four people, but can actually have six if I get walk-ups. Um, so I ran this at ChupacabraCon, but I'm probably going to tweak it a bit uh, to run at um, at North Texas. And uh, I got, again, four people signed up. So I hope it goes really well. And um, yeah, I, I'm more prepared for Reaver than I am for Blue Candy Clouds at the time of this recording. I'm, I have the pregens for Blue Candy Clouds, although I think I need to make sure they're leveled up to second level. And um, so I got to tweak that up. And then I need to, I need, I need to, like I have the outline and I need to go through the outline again and uh, edit it, modify it, make sure it sounds well and um and hopefully it will run pretty cool i mean it's a these are always a challenge when i you know i need to be definitely more disciplined about like typing this stuff up but the initial draft is always like written as an outline for me with diagrams for maps and and uh, what i think will happen in the encounter um and it's it's worked really well i've had some some um, great times doing this kind of thing. I have yet to, though, to write it up and put it in the proper format, at least some of the things that I've uh, run. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I feel like I'm becoming more disciplined as I attend these conventions. And hopefully one of these days uh, I will be disciplined enough uh, to get one of these adventures that I've created in my mind and played at the table out to the public. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm ready. The other thing about North Texas too, is there's a lot of cool people that I get to see and meet, um, creators and friends, uh, especially from the Audio Dungeon Discord and friends that I've played with for a very long time in, in a lot of different games. I know that the Forlorn Shores group is having a, gonna be have a big showing, so it'd be great to see, um, see all those folks uh, I had a, I'm, I will admit that I, when it comes to groups, I'm, and, and also because like, I'd like to do my own thing. I don't like to hang out. Um, I might, I did last time because I had a, I had a great, uh, not chaperone, but I had like a con buddy, uh, Jason Hobbs kind of introduced me to a lot of people and he and I hung out a lot and, and he, and we hung out. Uh, so I hung out. Yeah, but usually I don't, and I'll go do my own thing, um, which is fine for me. But now, you know, I have, like, I've 
I met uh, Stefan up at, in Dallas a couple times, and I learning. I'm meeting new people, and then uh, others like um, like I think Jose Lucario is going to be there. Cody Maz is going to be there, and other people whose handles I only know from playing with them, like um, Malt Warm Stew and Burrito Bear and Eric. I know they're going to be up there as well. I think the Wolf Clan is going to be up there, which would be pretty cool to see them. So, um, so yeah. And then um, I guess my my Arch Audio Dungeon Discord nemesis, Greg Gale Doctor Greg Gillespie is going to be there. And actually, <laughs> it'd be fun to record a bit with he and I, and maybe a couple other PhDs. Um, maybe the guys who design um, that rabbit game. What's that game? Bunnies and Burrows. And we can run the skit from uh, Spies Like Us. Doctor, 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 doctor. Yes, doctor, yes. That'd be kind of fun. So, yep, yeah, that's my prep for North Texas RPG Con, both in game-wise and mentally. Uh, mentally, definitely. So, um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this little segment. And uh, the last thing we're going to conclude with and I'll, I'll give the outro here. So thank you for listening. This has been The Geomologist Presents. If you like what you heard and would like to comment, you can drop me a line, either voice recorded or in print at geomologist.gmail.com or as a DM through Discord. I'm on multiple Discords. I do have a SpeakPipe account, but uh, Sam discovered it's only a minute 30. Uh, but you can leave a message there if you have something short and sweet to say. You can also try to leave me a message, but I think you only have a minute uh, using the Spotify for Podcasters website. So um, the intro and outro music are by TJ Drennan. My wife, Amy, does the cover clip art. And I'm leaving this outro here because the next segment is an unboxing. And it's, a, it's an unboxing and really an homage to the guys, um, mainly Connerly, uh, Hobbs, and Richter, who... Um, in got in my head this game and revisiting the Dark Tower series and the Gunslinger. So I hope you enjoy it and my little mini overview of um, We Deal in Lead. But other than that, I will um, talk to you soon. Well, I think I will do like the occasional unboxing, but not like a big slew of unboxings mainly because i might be excited about this product so i did have an unboxing because people have been talking about it and um related products on the audio dungeon discord or in the discord verse audio dungeon discord verse um so pretty cool so this is um flying cloud fulfillment from exalted funeral press and it's kind of like it's a very interesting type of container uh, it's a box, but it looks like you can pull the box open. It is it is about um, six inches wide, about nine and a half inches long, and about an inch deep. So I think I'll need any tools to open it, but just in case. I have a nail file, and the inside of the nail file can act as a letter opener. And this just kind of pulls out. I just cut one place, it pulls out, and it is a book. And this is what I thought it would be. It is in shrink wrap. 
and it is the book form of We Deal in Lead, a Weird West Wanders Adventure Game. So it is in shrink wrap, so I will open it up to give a little overview. And Jason Connolly with special guest Joe Richter from Hindsightless reviewed this recently. I will put the link in the show notes to that podcast. I'm not going to like review it. There's no need. I'll just give my little overview of it. The front and back cover. The front cover has the, uh, it looks like, a character sheet and then a history part, like a two-page character sheet, two-page spread. One has all the stats that you need. There are three stats, strength, dex, and heart. And then names and pronouns, history, personality, quest, and a little space there to give a few photocopies of a little map, a, gra a graph paper. The back has an excursion map, like a graph paper grid, excursion generator tracker. It runs about 80, uh, about 88 pages uh, with a kind of the front and back um, being art on one side and the tracker and part two of the character sheet on the other. So this is by Colin Lesore, uh, by Odin's Beard RPG. And uh, it's really cool. I did order from Exalted Funeral, and I got the PDF, which is nice. And it has, and here it has um, 8, 9, 10, 11 chapters, an adventure, a warden research resource, which is the excursion generator, a bestiary as the appendix, converting adventures, uh, which is the interesting in appendix 2, and then gunslinger tables in appendix 3. And it does what I like. It does have a list and credit of all the different illustrations uh, by page, which is kind of cool. I really wish more places would do that. The cover is by Goran Gilligovich, which is kind of cool. Um, it's a pretty neat cover. So anyway, uh, obviously the inspiration is in the Dark Tower, Karen, Into the Odd, Man with No Name, Magnificent Seven, so definitely like a Western, um, uh, pretty cool. So, uh, neat. So I definitely hope to get into it. I will probably read The Gunslinger first. But um, chapter one is principles and creation, uh, then rules, the or order of gunslingers, items and equipment, combat, wilderness exploration, other worlds, magic, beast companions, and then solo play, which maybe I would start with that uh, solo play once I figure out how this game works. Um, it's pretty cool. And then there's an adventure swamp water shootout in here which will be fun to kind of run and play, beast companions, etc. So, um, and the layout is very nice. Um, it does have some tables, which might make it tough, um, tough on uh, people you know, who use a reader, um, reader assistance to read through this book, probably in the PDF. But um, I do like, at least for someone whose eyes are getting old and going, nice layout, lots of white space. Um, and the font isn't too small. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, we deal in lead. So there you go. It's an unboxing and mini review for you. Good night and good rolling.